Welcome to episode number 99, COVID-19, Military, Government, Discrimination, Law, Freedom and Politics. Is there any taboo subject we don't hit today? Oh, religion. Did, did we discuss religion? We're Aussie blokes, we're dads, we're entrepreneurs. Between us, we've made a heap of mistakes, learned a shitload and created plenty of wins which taught us a few things about life, love, relationships, communication, leadership, and business. We're here to share our journey and learnings with you. You may get three different perspectives or one universal agreement. Whatever you take away, we hope it made a difference in your day. Welcome. Al, how are you? G'day, Ross. Doing well. And I just have to uh, acknowledge that I'm out enjoying the... Uh, the outside air of the Mornington Peninsula, so <laughs> I may have a little bit of background noise, and I apologise for that. Yes, yeah, it's a beautiful spot down there. Let's see, what's the uh, temperature like today? A bit brisk? It's so, it's, I mean, with all this week in Melbourne, we've had crisp, clear, blue sky days. It's another one of those, so it's a beauty. Yeah, it's, it's when the weather's like this, it's, and we get a lot of this weather around April, usually. Yeah. I really like it. Even if there's a little bit of rain, uh, mostly sun, but a little bit of drizzle and just be walking along the beach is just a beautiful time of the year, I think. Absolutely. And, well, <laughs> I was down in Gippsland earlier in the week and it's actually very dry down there. So I don't know there's a lot of rain about at the moment. No, it's been very cold, but you're right. We haven't had a lot of rain. Although and of course, there the... was a point there yeah. where we were getting heaps of it. Yeah, well, yeah, we were. I think uh, May we started with the wettest May or something in a long time. So, oh well, more climate change, huh? Yeah. I'm certainly well. Yes. Yeah, so... Life's life, but I, I was meant to be in the, at the snow for the next few days. But unfortunately, there's nearly no snow. <laughs> that's the that's the downside. Oh, of wow. Road. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They got one run open. <laughs> Mount Buller. Wow. Didn't the season start well? Well, so during, during the well, there was the, it was late in the isolation phase of 2020, the first isolation phase. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of snow early, like before the Queen's birthday. Um, official opening to Queen's birthday, although no one was there because we were still, in, we were still under uh, isolation rules. So uh, most of it melted. And, uh, and right now, yeah, look, I've been watching it drop <laughs> to, 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 to virtually zero. There's zero natural snow now. There's only what they've made, um, you know, and, and that's really only on one run at the moment. Wow. Okay. And if you, I, you know, you're sort of a bit on holidays. I don't know if you've heard about um, the recent uh, progresses in Australia about the lockdown. No, please, please fill us in because I know it's just... I've seen a little bit of footy and, and rugby league and there's things going on there, but no, what's happening? Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because, as you know, we're pretty much the only state in Australia that's continuing to increase their numbers. All the others are doing really well. Um, however, due to yeah. our increase in numbers, I think we may have even hit 80 yesterday. Uh, don't quote me on that bit, though, but what they've decided to do is to lock down the suburbs that are 
still, you know, got the numbers going up. So they're locking down individual suburbs to keep it contained. Oh my! Sorry. Oh my! Are they still using yes. the military? Or? So most of, <laughs> in fact, they are, I believe. Oh my! Oh well. I think they've brought those, in something like eight hundred. Those that know me well on my conspiracies have heard me crap on about this stuff for years. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought it would happen this way? Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to want to share a bit about your thoughts based on on that ex- or what's happening totally. at the moment? Totally. And I mean, you know, most people listening to this will just say whatever, but those that know me well will know pre-GFC, so probably around 2005, 2006, maybe even a little bit earlier, myself and my business partner had the great fortune to be shown what was going on in the world economy by a close friend of mine. And so we were ready for the GFC when it came. We were actually, we were debt free. We didn't own any houses, we were debt free. Um, Cause we, you know, we thought Australian housing would collapse. So we, we were ready. <laughs> um, yeah. And you know, what, what happened in Australia was we really rode through that with, with, well, in fact, so far in this pandemic, we've had less damage to the markets than we did then. So yeah. ever since then though, I've, I've kind of, stayed on that, that the point that, that the worst is yet to come, if that makes sense, because we, we didn't really deal with the reality, we just staved it off, we just, we just kind of papered it over. And the, the main tool that's been used to do that is to just keep printing currency and injecting it into uh, the economy with nothing behind it, with no real value added to the economy. And so, yeah. um, simple economics tells us that when you have more currency and no extra assets, the value of that currency can drop substantially. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what that means is your purchasing power, what you can really buy with that currency drop. And the rate of Production of new currency has only increased, and during this pandemic, well, we all know it's just got, it's gone through the roof. Like we thought we were through the roof, it's just gone up again. So all that we're, all that we're doing is, is you know is fighting fire with with highly flammable fuel. And yet, yeah, if you throw enough fuel on it, it will kind of blanket it. It might choke it for a bit, but then it really needs a spark, and boom. So all that leads to you know, the potential for for a breakdown in, in the way things work and and the the typical response of authorities to step in and take real control. And so I know we're not at martial law and we may never get there. However, who would have predicted three months ago that the Australian Defence Force would be on the streets of Melbourne controlling the population? Yeah. So I don't know. Does that makes sense. And you think that that's? Do you think that that they're those two things are related? Well, okay. <laughs> My business partner is was was a trained in military intelligence, <laughs> so he he has he has seen some of what is behind the the world, the world and and, and the actions of, of the leaders, and he has always said to me, look, 
if it's if it's a choice between incompetence and conspiracy, choose incompetence every time. Now, what that means is <laughs> this. Yeah. Now, it took me a long time to accept that, but now I can see how it works. Right. This pandemic was not created. It wasn't created by the Chinese. It wasn't created by the Americans in a lab in China. None of that stuff is real. It happened. I, I would say nature's, nature's having a crack at us, as nature does. And this pandemic is how it's having a crack at us. But those that have authority and the power to do something with that are doing so. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I, I was following you until that last bit. Okay, so so what happened? There's a there's this outbreak in China. We've had it before. We've had SARS. We've had we've had um, different bird flus and swine flus. We had a lot of different outbreaks over the last 10, 20 years. We had Ebola. Yeah. Um, and it, just as interesting aside, my reading suggests that largely African countries that have, a, have had Ebola are far better at constraining things like this than anyone else because Ebola was so virulent and so destructive that it was, it was, it was life or yeah. death for the entire population. So, yeah. so, we've had all these things and they've been managed. You know, from the perspective of an Australian, they've been managed. They've never really travelled outside of, very far outside of the, you know, the, the sort of ground zero where, where it all started. All of a sudden, so as coronavirus now called COVID-19, I always find it interesting when the when naming start coming in and they start changing the naming and you know creating a whole new mechanism for discussing things. So I find that interesting. So as that's broken out in China, we just sat there watching it, going, "Oh, that's not that's not nice. That's scary." But in Australia, did we care? In January, were we worried about it? No. Nah. In February, we worried about it? No. Nah. <laughs> All of a sudden. March, it really took off. Now, again, I know it's a virus. This is what viruses do. They spread and they grow. Their growth rate increases and all that stuff. I get it. But then all of a sudden we've gone from it doesn't matter to Italy. It was, that was the trigger, I think. In Italy, there are mainly the elderly being sent home to die because the system is, the medical system is overwhelmed. And suddenly in Australia, like, shit, that could happen here. We've got to do something. Now, what's happened has been, it has been, we've been asked to do things. Again, I acknowledge that, we've been asked to do things, right? However, we've also had mixed messages, you know, as the whole country is opening up, the Victorian Premier is being attacked for not opening up quickly enough, and yet we're, so we're the most conservative, and yet we've got the biggest problems. So all of this, right, after we've been asked to do things, and we, we thought we'd flatten the curve, so... I would have thought you could say, well, when we were asked to do it and we did it, it worked. So we just do it again. Why, do you, why does the military need to be brought in? Where is that necessary? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I think one of the um, biggest problems like that caused a lot of these recent outbreaks, my understanding, was they had gatherings that were bigger than they were meant to have as we get back together. Well, and I get that, but that's the thing is that happened when we were in full isolation, right? And and I get, I get there's a need to to do something, 
when some people aren't being sensible, when some people aren't following basic protocols. However, how did we flatten the curve as a nation? And then how is the nation opening up, Victoria not opening up, and suddenly we've got the military on the streets? Like, it doesn't add up to me. And again, I'm not saying there's a written plan where, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do this. It's not like that, no. But the response doesn't seem consistent. The response doesn't seem to be, well, the Australian people can manage this. It affects them. So if we ask them to do the right thing and create rules to enforce that, that works. Well, again, I say, why are the military now on the streets? Police, it doesn't matter who it is. It's not necessary. We didn't, as a nation, we didn't need it and we flattened the curve, you know? I'm just trying to get a really simple life. <laughs> yeah, so you're, so you're saying uh, over-policing it? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And yeah, and that may or may not make the difference. Okay, let's. I'm going to go sideways here. This is what I do, and it frustrates the people that are close to me. But hopefully, I'll, I'll make a point. <laughs> well, if we look at the US, right? We had yeah a guy die in unfortunate circumstances at the hands of the police, and that was the catalyst for an incredible outbreak across the country, and in fact, then around the world. Was it not? So, and look at the response to that. Now, that is, that is in the midst of this pandemic. <laughs> and look at the response to that. Oh, and by the way, our authorities are saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to fine the, the organisers of Black Lives Matter protests in Australia because they're inciting people to risk isolation conditions. Has there been any outbreaks as a relation in relative, relative to those protests? No. Nah. <laughs> According to the Victorian Premier, the outbreaks are related to yeah, people in their own home doing the wrong thing. I just so Ross, for me, it it doesn't make sense. It's not like this is a simple matter. It's actually a simple matter. Wash your hands. Don't put fucking infection stuff in your mouth, and you won't get a disease. Like it's kind of that simple. Now I realise there's some complications, but it's quite a simple thing. And, and when we were asked to take some steps, and now they were extreme steps, but I'm okay with we're being asked to do it and we get a choice as a democratic free nation to, to, to take those steps. Because look what happened. When we were asked to, we did it, did we not? Yeah. You know, there, weren't a there weren't riots on the streets. There weren't people resisting. We just, when we were asked to stay home, to close down our businesses, to... To, do, to, to end our lives as we knew them and go into a whole new way of living, we, all, we did it en masse. Yeah. And that, that's kind of, that's core to what I've been arguing for years. It's that human beings will do the right thing when they're asked. And when, they, when they're just given a really simple yeah. choice and they're asked to do the right thing, they will. The, the, the idea that people will do the wrong thing and, and it should be expected to do the wrong thing is not appropriate. And it leads to these other more extreme measures. I just don't see a need in Australia yeah, yeah. for any armed personnel to be on the streets in this time. Yeah. And I don't see a logical argument for how that is necessary given what we achieved without it. So, look, I think I'm sort of talking around the same point. 
there is no conspiracy. There's no, nothing complicated about it. It's just a really simple set of choices and a really simple set of actions. So, <laughs> I guess where did that leave us, Ross? Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, you've, you've shared your point. I don't think I have anything, you know, necessarily else to say um, on that either way. Uh, I, I think, you know, sometimes I think it's good to get the uh, the military out and actually doing something. Um, we're paying them lots of money, so for them to be able to use their skills somewhere, it's great. That's why I love when they do, um, you know, when there's a there's a natural disaster somewhere in the world and they head off to coordinate all of that. And, uh, you know, I think that's great to get them okay. actually actively doing something. Um, okay. But... Yeah, military on the streets. I take your point. You're right. It is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big call. But um, I was quite many of our to public commentators. Of it, it, I was just going to say, Ross, it's un-Australian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. sorry. Keep, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, has it happened before? Well, I can't could say that with any. With any real knowledge, I, I, I'm not aware. You know, I know we had, after the Second World War, we had a um, nachos. So, you know, largely young men, I don't know how many women, you know, were, were expected to enlist and, and do their national service. But again, I think that was, you know, that was all done through military channels. I don't think it was done on the streets of, of the cities. No, no, there was, yeah, there was military training for everybody, you know, everyone who reached, I think, the age of 18 or something, 18 or 19, something like that. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was, that was across the, but that was uh, almost global as well. A lot of places had that. My That's dad's right. was right. big, uh, big, yeah, my dad was a big fan of that. He said that it really helped the kids get, you know, kind of iron themselves out, get some discipline and direction and things like that. He said it was great for, for them. But, yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't there to experience it, so I can only no. report what other people said and felt about it. One thing I did want to mention, I was speaking to a colleague of mine who's um, who lives in Brazil, and my understanding is Brazil has got uh, pretty big numbers over there, and he lives in one of the, the biggest cities in Brazil, and he was saying that the hospitals are coping fine. Right. So they don't have any big dramas over there. So it was interesting that um, that Italy uh, had some such major problems because that was yeah that was uh, horrible that the the hospitals over there just simply couldn't cope and had to send the the elderly home to die. That was yeah that was very sad. Uh, and so, New York was similar, yeah. evidently. Oh really? Wow. Well, so they, you know, the, yeah, their big story was they had, they had, they had, uh, you know, uh, refrigerated container trucks parked outside hospitals at temporary morgues. It was that bad. You know, that, that was the sort of headline story out of New York. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I heard. Um, you know, I, I don't know how uh, how true this is, but uh, I heard a rumor that um, there was um, in China they were simply burning bodies. They weren't going to find out whether it was you know the virus or something else that killed them. They were just disposing of them quickly to right. You know because there was too many. 
Yeah, right, right. And look, it's, you know, at the, at, at the end of it, that's right, our stats will always be skewed, you know, because there were different reports about different nations reporting different things as well. But nonetheless, we, you know, what, what, we, what, what appears to be the case is that um, this has a higher death rate than a typical flu. And for survivors, it, it can cause more damage to the respiratory system. They're two things that, no, yeah, based on all the reading I've done, yeah. They, yeah, they seem like real, real stories. But, you know, I don't yeah. know, because I don't know anybody that's I had it. I don't know. Huh? I was going to say, my understanding is it's more than just the, the long-term effects can be more than just the respiratory system. Like, more, more organs can actually be damaged as well. Right, right. And so that's, that's where we're into this whole, not, not sure... You know, there's reports, but not really sure what the reality is. Yeah, yeah. It'll probably be a few years before we truly know. Well, and, and okay, here, here, here's, here's a fundamental problem for me. And again, I, I realise this touches on conspiracy, and I don't mean to do that, but the world's media is increasingly controlled by fewer people. And so, therefore, the channels of reporting are... Less and you know, less and less free, and more and more controlled. And this is a documented mm, fact. Yep. You know, the, the, the name Rupert Murdoch is, is synonymous with extreme bias in reporting. You know, they have, they have they, his organisation has faced, has faced criminal charges in the UK as an example for their behaviour. You know, so they are not yep. a free and democratic media media organisation. They are a highly biased. Yep. You know, there's a story that in Australia. In order to become the leader of this country, the Prime Minister's country, you have to meet with Rupert Murdoch before an election, and basically, he, you know, he will help swing it in your direction if he likes you, kind of thing. Now, it's a story. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but at the end of the day, we know he controls an enormous amount of press, and he's just one. Um, there was a Canadian guy, I think, Conrad Black, who was a sort of great, great sort of up-and-comer for a while, and then he, you know. His organisation had criminal charges, and he, you know, his name was besmirched. Now, was that real or was that an opposition? So, this is where we can play with conspiracies. But at the end of the day, there's no real, I don't think there's any real broad belief that the media is free, fair, you know, and open. Not anymore. No, I think it's a, so we'll it's learn, a we'll, pretty you know, common knowledge. All you've got to do is, is look at, um, watch, watch two opposing news channels and get two different views. So, that, so, so the point being, we'll never really learn the truth. We'll learn a version of the truth. Yes. And going back to my original argument, yeah. we'll learn the version of the truth that the authorities at the time want to be the version. Yes. And this is exactly what George Orwell predicted. <laughs> They're good on him. Yeah. Now, that, yeah. now this is, so so, let, just to take, take us out of the hole that I've dug, I used to live in this stuff, right? During that whole phase of post-GFC, I went downhill in my sort of belief in humanity and, and my fear and everything else and really got into a hole. And how I came out of that hole was, if you look at what I just said, did George Orwell create the idea that we have followed or did he predict the future? Or is it a bit of both? And so, meaning we get to create how it works as a, as a human species. So it doesn't have to be the way anyone predicts it. It can be how we choose en masse. 
And, I, and what I love about the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, obviously it's been violent. It's been, a, it's been, that's been really, really uh, damaging how it's unfolded. However, what I love about it is there's this whole new power behind that voice that didn't exist before. Yeah. So that's the opportunity on the back of all this. Yeah. Yeah. Look, at, we're, we're at that point right now where we're going too far in the wrong direction, the other direction. Like we're, and I, and I guess that, you know, not everywhere in the world has, has kind of got it about, um, you know, race, but so many things are going so far over kilter and it you know at, at the risk of being seen as um you know racist or sexist or something like that uh, an example is you know as a as a male in in australia i don't know if i've said this in one of the podcasts or not but as a male in australia uh or a female in australia we have equal rights in pretty much everything however as a male in australia my car insurance is more expensive because I'm male. Now, for me, and, and everyone goes, oh, yeah, but they have more accidents. Well, I never had more accidents. However, as a male, <laughs> I need to pay more for my insurance. And yeah. for me, that's simply a sexist thing. It's like, you know, where, where are the women standing up and going, hey, why are men paying more for their car insurance? That shouldn't be the case. Just because, you know, they're born male, that's not fair. You know, where's the, where's the equality there? And for myself as, you know, I eat enormous quantities of food. Therefore, that costs me a lot more money. I cannot get paid more for my job. But as a male, I have other expenses like food. And it's quite a large one. You know, I'll eat twice as much as, as, um, as the, the normal female and sometimes even a lot more than that. Um, in addition to that... I'm also, um, and this is, you know, this is just a random genetic thing, but I also, you know, I can't do wheat. Therefore, the food that I eat is often 20 to 50% more expensive, sometimes, you know, two, three times more expensive. I can't get paid more because I'm male. My car insurance is more expensive. My, um, my clothes are often more expensive, larger sizes, not always the case. Some, I, I get that, you know, women's clothes can be expensive, but, you know, then we're talking about fashion. But all my food's more expensive, and then I'm eating more expensive food because of my genetics. But I can't earn money more than the person standing next to me. Um, and, I, and I get we're in a free market and all of that. But if we talk about it being equal, so equality is just this thing that doesn't really exist. But we're now getting to a point where... I can't even get jobs because I'm the wrong colour. I'm a white Australian, and yet I've gone to I've gone for a job somewhere, and they're like, um, "Well, we've, we need to meet our our government imposed quota about how many people we need to have of foreign nationalities, you know, um, because you were born an Australian. We can't take you because our quota's not. We haven't met our quota. Yeah. So it's getting to a point where we're now going past the equal point but we but yeah. we're still not even there yet we haven't gone far enough past it yet which is scary for me we haven't gone far enough past it to be able to ride ourselves to where we should be you know when i'm when i'm getting 
when I'm missing out on a job because I'm not a foreign, when, when my skin's not the wrong co- is the wrong colour because I'm white, and at the same time we've got um, riots and rallies about Black Lives Matter, we've got a lot of work to do still. Yeah, well, so, you know, the, the points you make are interesting and I know there's going to be, as you, as you touched on earlier, there's going to be plenty of arguments for everything you just said and plenty of arguments diametrically opposed to everything you just said. Now, <laughs> absolutely. I, I guess what you touched on there, from my perspective, you know, my experience is there's this whole world now that's driven by statistics and, and profits. So... You know, when you talk about insurance, right, they're always assessing risk and pricing it. And because the profit of the insurance company is what an insurance company exists for, it does not exist to protect you. It exists to make a profit for shareholders. Then you might even be uninsurable in time, you know. Um, I don't know. There might, there might become a... Uh, an eye condition where oh, you're uninsurable now, or there might be a heart condition where no, you're uninsurable now. Our risk profile shows that because you can't eat gluten, you might have a thing which means you're uninsurable. I mean, I'm sort of overstating it a little bit. Um, this ties in again to to where I was very early on here, no, you know, no. you know, the creation of yeah, yeah. currency to to just keep propping up a fake economy. You know, again. None of the services that were created to support us are there to support us. Go ahead. I think we've touched on, touched on this on some episodes before, and um, genetic engineering, and that's going to be, you know, that's that's a thing that's coming, and there's there's no two ways about right. that. We can't say it's good, it's bad, whatever. It's it's irrelevant. It's coming, and yep. and as a result of that, what's going to happen is they're going to discover some genetic codes within, uh, and this, yeah, I'm pretty sure we spoke about this on an episode, um, some genetic codes that are within the, you know, the human DNA and say, well, you know, that one there um, causes this or has a risk of causing this. Therefore, we need to remove that from your, change that from your genes. So you're not allowed to have a child unless they're genetically engineered to fix these, these three defects, for example. Yeah. And yeah. If you don't do that, you can't get insurance, um, and that's just the way it is. And that's the sort of uninsurable that's likely to happen, um, you know, <laughs> along those lines. Well, you know, and then what, what will the results of the pandemic be in that world? You know, people who have life insurance, will they still have it if they've contracted the disease? Or will, they, or will a whole lot of conditions be removed from their cover because of having it? Uh, I, I don't think you could get away with that. Um, I think I think there's actually potentially an advantage of having had it and survived from it. You now, and I and I you know I understand that you can. What about the unknowns we talked about though? And what about the unknowns we talked about though? Yeah, these these guys are gonna are gonna start. So they're gonna get the best quote scientific information they can, and they're gonna price their risk on that basis. Surely, I, I can tell you, Ross. I when I applied for life insurance and all those others, you know, as a, as a, as a new parent, or just before I became a new parent, you know, mortgage and all that, guess what? Nah, we're not going to cover you because your old man died of liver cancer. I got refused. Now, in the end, 
I got coverage wow. because of another law which would have been which would have been created by the unions, I'm sure. <laughs> and that was that my workplace instituted super and they had a plan which covered all employees and you just automatically got it as an employee. So something that a union probably fought for, I'm guessing, meant that I got coverage where, where the company the, the another insurance company just outright rejected me because of what had happened in my my, my history. That's so that's crazy that they can do that. Well, but remember, these are private companies that are in the market by choice. They're not they're not set up by any benevolent authority to serve us. So when I was talking sure. earlier but, about but not service a, anymore. Yeah. Sure, but here in Australia they're virtually forcing us to get health insurance. That's right. But see that's health insurance is different to life insurance. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. sure. So I could have, yeah, yeah, you're right. I get penalised if I don't have health insurance. <laughs> so I get penalised if I don't help pay for the public system that our taxes are supposed to pay for. That's right. See, now again, there's a whole nother. I mean, look, we could, we could look at all the out, I mean, it's funny, isn't it, how there's a lot of different aspects that seem unrelated, but actually they all tie back to the same thing. You know, and, and that thing yep. is that there's a world economy now, so there's one economy... You know, as Australians, we get we argue about oh, the car industry and tariffs and agricultural exports and imports. It's all bullshit. There's one world economy, where and we are just one little section of the map. So we don't matter beyond the purposes we play for the world economy. You know, and in really simple terms, yeah. when China became a powerhouse of manufacturing, they needed raw resources, and we're one of the biggest sources of those on the planet and most are free and rah 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 so that was our relevance yeah beyond that who cares <laughs> oh yeah we're a good location for a, yes, for a yes. spy station <laughs> as an in, as an individual we're 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 so irrelevant on on that uh on that scale right. on that map right you know, I, my and, son, uh, and you know, we've, we've got to wrap this episode up. I don't want to get into a new topic, but you know what? Yeah. Just as an example, my son got uh, assaulted on a basketball court. He's eight years old, and the coach on the other team was inciting the violence that caused it. And yeah. I've the the police don't care. The the none, nah. of the none of the legal system at all wants to get involved in any way, shape, or form. I've pushed it as hard nah. as I could. Um, and uh, now your son has to hit back, and you got you got you got to have a crack at the other coach, and, and the parents have to get involved. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, and everything I'm trying to do, you know, the the the, um, the the basketball association couldn't care less. In fact, they threatened me if I if I continue following it, they threatened to take That's action against me. Um, and yeah, and and it's like this is crazy. You know, there's there's a kid being assaulted on a basketball court. And there's nothing out there to look after him. Yeah, that's surprising. That's mm, surprising. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, that's, so, 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 why don't you look at that for, for the next episode of what you know, what, how we, how we, how we, how we look at that? But, but, but that's it. You're right. The, the individual now doesn't matter. So you know, George. That's where again, George Floyd becomes intriguing because he doesn't matter. No one really cares about George Floyd except you know the people that were around him. Um, but mm, yes. what he provided 
was a, a huge trigger for the world, for a whole lot of people around the world. So it's a movement that matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I think we've uh, we've explored a lot of a lot of topics here, and look, we haven't got nearly as deep as we could go on any of them. But I think it's been uh, great exposure for anyone who hasn't faced any of this before or thought too much about it. Uh, I've certainly um, you know, got a lot from talking from it. I look forward to catching up with you on our next episode. And uh, yeah, and we'll maybe we'll talk about um, you know, what's happening uh, on, on the basketball court and uh, how things are not really protected. Yeah, and Luke, we miss you. Awesome. Hope you're still alive and well. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Russ. This has been Ross Pepper, Alistair McDonald, and Luke Farrar for the Ross LN Luke Show. If you wish to get in contact with us regarding the show, please reach out to us via email on rosslluke at gmail.com. To discover more about myself, Ross Pepper, please visit my website, rosspepper.com. To check out L and discover what he can do for your team, please visit his website, alistairmcdonald.com.au. And if you're ready for an awesome sign for your business, be sure to visit luke at lfsigns.com.au. You have been listening to the Ross Allen Luke Show. Thanks for listening and have a spectacular day.